Welcome to the ballot box. Terry Rutherford. Evelyn Tanaka. Brian Deheer. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, your host. And this is the Ballot Box, a semi-regular edition of the show where we talk about elections, 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 and in particular, the 44th general election that is currently underway. And for those who are watching and listening to the show, please, it is advanced vote weekend and you can get out and you can cast your ballots right now. Today, we have three candidates for the Green Party of Canada with us. We are going to be introducing them here shortly, but I just want to take this moment and say, remember, please, please, please get out and vote. If you do not vote, you do not get to complain for the next 18 months, 24 months, however long it is until the next election. So please get out and vote. You have all the opportune time to do it. It is a voting and Monday, September 20th is election day. So please, please, please get out and vote. Without further ado, I am now going to introduce our candidates that are on the show today. And with us, we have, I'm going to do this in order as they came onto the Zoom call, Carrie Rutherford, who is the Green Party candidate for Calgary Forest Lawn. Carrie, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having us. Uh, Evelyn Tanaka for Calgary Shepherd. Evelyn, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. And Brian DeHere, the Green Party of Canada candidate for Fort McMurray Cold Lake. Brian, thank you so much for doing this as well. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having us. Uh, uh, I'm going to start with you, Carrie, with the very first question I ask every single candidate who has ever come on the show. Where does your sense of duty to serve come from? Where does it come from? Well, so I was born and raised in Calgary, which meant means it's been it's been a, a, a dark and dangerous time to be someone with uh, ecological and and the social justice concerns I've had my whole life. Um, my best friend, actually, who's been quite hardcore on me in this election, he says, "Carrie, you're here, aren't you here to serve the people around you?" And I said, "Well." Did I say that? And he said, yes, yes, you did. And in fact, that's true. Um, I've moved to Forest Lawn in 2012. It was a very dark time of my life, to be honest. And this area has been remarkably uh, inclusive and supportive and engaging and hospitable and wonderful. And really, it really, it, it returned my, um, my goodwill about humanity living in Forest Lawn, which was not what I was expecting by moving here. And that, consequently, has also made me want to do something for the larger community as the rest of the, you know, our ecological and, and social world kind of collapses. So it's it's a ground up thing. And, uh, and here we are. Evelyn, how about yourself? Where's your sense of duty to serve come from? Um, before 2019, I wasn't involved in politics at all. I did a lot of community work, volunteering, helped out how I could, um, whenever and wherever I could. Um, and I felt that, you know, as I developed more and more, I could just take on more and more. Um, so in 2019, I decided to throw my hat in the ring for the Green Party Canada and Calgary Shepherd and stand up to represent an underrepresented voice in this riding. Um, you know, the Greens don't have much development on the ground in Shepherd. Um, there are a few of us, we're very passionate, we love what we do, and we just wanted to hold that space and build for the future. So, um, you know, it's really about capacity building, it's about um, developing skills, 
personally and for the people around me. So every time we do this, we want to just get a little better, do a little more and and learn and listen and talk to people because yes, that's what politics is supposed to be about. We're supposed to go out to the community, talk to people, find out what their concerns are and then represent them. Um, I also got into politics and my duty to serve comes a lot from um, my kids, you know, and I, you know, I felt like I need to, at the end of the day, feel like I've done enough um, for them and uh, for the for the greater community at large. So that's my contribution. And I think all of us have that little bit that we can do a little bit more um, more for. So that this is my piece. I am going to interrupt before we go off to Brian here, because we just have another candidate who is joining us right now, who just decided uh, Malaka LaBelle from Calgary Heritage. She is, uh, they are joining us. So I'm going to admit them into the uh, show as well. Uh, This is the great thing about doing everything live. It is uh, how the world works. So uh, I just want to make sure everyone is on and we'll give uh, them a few seconds to join the show here correctly. This is the great thing. For those who are listening and those who are tuning in, uh, we do have a few uh, viewers of the show right now. Uh, We're just waiting for uh, someone to join us. But Brian, while we wait, let's talk about your duty to serve. Where does your sense of duty to serve come from, Brian? Sure, thanks for that question. Um, I guess, uh, essentially, my duty to serve comes from the fact that I care. Uh, I've lived up here in Lac uh in Treaty 6 territory and close to the overlap with Treaty 8 and in Métis Nation of Alberta Region 1 for almost 30 years. Uh, and uh, there's been people around me who have been good role models and uh, they also cared. Uh, we care about people, we care about the planet and over the years I've uh, you know, seen growing concerns. Uh, they've become more and more important in my life. I remember when uh, I first uh, learned about the hole in the ozone layer. Uh, that was decades ago. Uh, and then we started to hear about global warming and then climate change and now the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis. I care about those things. And I think it's absolutely important that we have a safe and healthy planet to continue to live in. Anyone who knows a little bit about my heritage, uh, my last name to here comes from uh, my Dutch heritage. And the Netherlands, of course, uh, is uh, a, a small country that is very close to the, to the sea uh, and two thirds of it is below sea level. Well, if those uh, ocean levels keep rising, that country is going to be flooded. And of course, the last huge flood that happened in the Netherlands was in 1953 uh, in, you know, in grand time scales not that long ago. Uh, and they've been building their defenses ever since. Uh, other countries are not as fortunate. Uh, I think of some of the, uh, uh, the island nations in the Pacific. I think of Bangladesh. Uh, we need to do something that helps turn that around. So uh, in, in my lifetime, as I became more and more concerned about those things, I saw others around me stepping up saying, well, I care enough to do something about it and I have followed suit. I've been inspired by our uh, a previous mayor here, Tom McCaniel. I've been inspired by Elizabeth May, uh, various other people in the Green Party uh, and in, in Canada and around the world. So I think that's what has led to me uh, being here doing this today. 
I just want to make sure that I give opportune time. Um, I, I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly, but Malka, are you with us? No, we will go on to the next question. And if they decide to join us, they will. Um, uh, Evelyn, why the Green Party of Canada? You could have uh, chosen many uh, multiple par uh, parties, but you chose the Green Party of Canada. What was it about the Green Party of Canada? And this question will be going to all of you. So get ready for this answer question as well. Why the Green Party of Canada? And why is it so important to elect Green members of Parliament in 2021? Yeah, I was inspired to join the Greens because of Elizabeth May. Um, I watched her in Parliament and was totally inspired by um, what she was able to do with just, just her by herself. Um, and I also thought that, you know, within the established parties, um, I wasn't going to find the people that I needed to connect with. So part of my reason for joining the Greens was also to find the community of people that were looking on the forward edge of evidence-based policy of things that we can do and to and that and the right mix of skill sets and perspective to kind of look forward to um, what we need to do in the future what needs to happen um, so those are the reasons that i joined the greens um, and why do we need greens in 2021 we have a climate crisis we have biodiversity crisis as brian talked about um, we have social justice issues they're all interconnected and they're all intersected with um, with climate, with our environment, with how we treat the planet. Um, I think all of those are very interconnected issues and we can't just put band-aids on it saying, okay, well, we'll just throw some money at this problem or throw some money here or, you know, just incarcerate more people or, you know, do this kind of stuff. Like we need to look at root causes of what are causing all of these crises and figure out what that is and then put in evidence-based policy that is going to benefit the people. And, you know, when Anami Paul, our, our new leader, was talking um, at the debates recently, the leader debate, um, she made it very clear that like, we need to look beyond this like partisan kind of buffet of choices. Like here's the conservative plan for dealing with climate change. Um, here is the liberal plan. Here is the NDP plan. What about just having all the plans <laughs> together and look at every single thing and you know, look at the evidence, what has worked elsewhere in the world, what, what's going to work for Canada, talk about it as a country, as a society, and then implement it for the good of the people. We are way past the point of like, um, we can only have these solutions and not these. We need to look at all the solutions. We've, we've put ourselves into this like emergency situation where now we have no choice but to do this. So putting greens in power where we can hold the balance of power, for example, would be an amazing spot for us to be in, in 2021, coming out of this 44th general election, um, to really be the conscience of, um, underrepresented groups of people that care about the climate across Canada, um, and people that want action on these things, especially the youth. Uh, Brian, this question will be for you. It's along the same lines. You are running to represent Fort McMurray, Cold Lake. Fort McMurray is traditionally a oiled community. When your natural resources is a big thing up in that riding, uh, someone who's lived in the north, I know that quite well. When you're door knocking, when you're out talking to people, are people talking about the environment and are they open to hearing the words and the policies of the Green Party of Canada? Well, absolutely, it is a very strong conservative riding. 
there, that's that's undeniable. That's part of the reality up here. Uh, however, certainly when I talk with people, uh, including people that work in the oil patch, uh, I certainly have heard from people saying, yes, we recognize that this industry does have impacts on the environment. Uh, some of the people working in the field uh, recognize, you know, there's some, some harm, some damage that's being done in our industry uh, and it's not good. We should really be doing better. Um, certainly there's a lot of diversity in this riding as well. Uh, we have people from various backgrounds. We have uh, a significant indigenous population uh, and there are lots of people who uh, who would support other parties. So uh, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion in this case. Uh, I, I also know our uh, a conservative candidate this time, Leila Goodridge, because she was our provincial MLA. Uh, um, to her credit, I know that she is fluently bilingual. Uh, I'm sure that will uh, uh, stand her in good stead as an MP uh, if she should be elected. Uh, granted, that maybe is quite likely. Uh, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, I was a little disappointed that she did not show up on Thursday at the the candidates debate in Cold Lake. You know, if you're looking for a job, I think it really is important that you show up for the job interview. Uh, and uh, I'm, I've been disappointed in that uh, over time as well. This is my fourth federal uh, election as a Green Party candidate. Uh, and the, the Conservative candidate has never shown up for any of the candidates debates. So I think that says a lot, uh, and I think you know voters. I hope voters will will bear that in mind when they make their choices. But uh, yeah, you're what, right. What brought you to the Green Party? What brought you to the oh, Green Party, Brian? Sure, thanks. Um, well, similar to what Evelyn mentioned, and I've mentioned Elizabeth May, uh, she probably takes the most credit. I remember being uh, especially impressed with her when I first saw her on the televised debates. Uh, although I was reflecting on my history uh, just this morning and I realized, you know, I first started uh, paying attention to the Green Party with the previous leader, uh, Jim Harris. And, uh, you know, he was uh, he made a, a very significant accomplishment in having uh, green candidates in every riding across Canada. That was great. Uh, also, he uh, made some accomplishments uh, because of his background in business. He's a business writer uh, and, and speaker on entrepreneurship and so on. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, he brought some really valuable insights and, and, and points to the discussions in those days uh, that, you know, free enterprise and, and uh, uh, business can play a role in helping to, to make some positive changes in our, in our uh, society and our economy. Uh, but absolutely, Elizabeth has been uh, inspirational to me. I really appreciate her approach as an MP that she would try to work with everyone. And I agree. I think, uh, as Evelyn was saying, all of the green, uh, the climate plans, we need all, all hands on deck. That's the phrase I remember hearing from Elizabeth a couple of years ago. And uh, it, it's never more true than now. Harry, or as we said in the pre-interview, Mr. Rutherford. Mr. Rutherford Carey, <laughs> I want to talk for a moment here about your joining the uh, Green Party of Canada. What brought you to the Green Party of Canada? And was it Elizabeth May or was it another reason? Well, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, apparently, apparently I would be making more money if I was printing up Elizabeth May t-shirts because, uh, yeah, I, I've got, you know, I could just say ditto here and just be done because, um, I was going to say that after, after Evelyn and then, and then Brian went on in the same. Yes. Um, um, however, I, I will, I will change. I mean, all of what they said is true. Uh, we, you and I, Chris would not be speaking if Elizabeth May basically had not told me to run otherwise. <laughs> uh, however, <laughs> to say something more than just that, um, um, an anecdote I have, which I've, I've re related a few times. Um, so I, I was born in Calgary. I've, I've had a very cynical view of politics because I, I've been a, a tree hugger in a non-derogatory term for my entire life. And I've lived in Calgary my whole life. So it hasn't been great for me. Um, and then um, I ran into uh, um, someone that Evelyn knows who was the green candidate previously here and was surprised that, that there was more than one of them in the city. And um, subsequently um, uh, I was, I was supplied with the polls from the 2019 election, which, I mean, we didn't win a bunch in Calgary, but as I've said several times, what astonished me is that there were green votes. Um, I, I looked through about, about 80 or 90 polls just to scan them. And there was a green vote in every single one of those polls. And that's not true of all the other parties. I mean, some of them were even, there was no NDP, but there was still a green vote. And that gave me so much hope because I have been swimming upstream against against the oil tankers and the and the and the clear cut logs that are all floating downstream against me for the last you know 50 years and and to see that you know wait a minute maybe people are actually starting to notice that we need to do something and that and that apparently there's a bunch of them scattered around i mean it's not millions but there is a lot and so there is a hope a hope a hope for change that's what it is it was the first time i can say honestly that i've felt that i could actually hope for a change towards a, a more socially and economically and 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 physically constructive uh, future for for all of us. Yeah, I just want to follow up on that. Um, the hope for change, uh, the change needs to happen now. Are you hearing from people you're talking to in Calgary Forest Lawn that? People are looking for the correct environmental policies to tackle the issues around climate change, to tackle the issues that we are facing so heavily today. And that's for you, Carrie, again. Right. Um, well, a wonderful moment, literally across the street from me when I was gathering signatures, um, um, a door opened and a man who did not have a lot of English. I, I don't know if it was Chinese or Vietnamese, but uh, I was concerned that uh, I was concerned that a newcomer might not, you know, care about politics and know about the Green Party. And he said, oh, party of the future. And and that just stopped me because that's exactly what I think. We, we've we've had systems in place, you know, since our country started, which have got us here, you know, and, and whether you want to talk about the economy uh, in Alberta or in the, in the country, um, um, the people at the doors that have spoken to me about this, most of them are commenting on, you know, the, the, what they see in the skies and, 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 you know, the, the, the fires and the smoke and the, the heat, right. They, they're, they're noticing this stuff is happening and well, and, and something has to change 
because of that. It doesn't mean that they think we're perfect, but uh, the the short conversations I had was that you know well we have to do something, and and as Greens you know we have a lot of ideas and fortunately that lady we keep talking about who I won't say her name again she she said you know she sat over the development of a very detailed Vision Green which has got lots and lots. 189 pages of details on how we can change what we're doing to something more constructive, both wage-wise and health-wise, education-wise, and and you know just transition-wise for for work. So so people are aware of this, and and they're willing to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, for those who are watching, and uh, we do have a new candidate who just joined us. Uh, she turned on her camera. Hello. Uh, for Calgary Heritage, uh, I apologize. I, I d- didn't write down the name. Uh, can you introduce yourself and uh, where did your duty to serve come from? My name is Malka LaBelle. <clears throat> I uh, live in Calgary Heritage. I have lived in this riding my entire life. Uh, it is a hard blue Stephen Harper, former everyone is blue riding. Uh, I grew up in this riding. Uh, I went to school all over the levels of school in this riding. And um, most recently, my career has taken me in the largely green direction. So my company is called the Green Generation Company. And I am incredibly passionate about what it means to be green. I actually have a podcast. like That's the title of it, what it means to be green. It's <laughs> part of the Cannabis 101 podcast. So I'm in the cannabis industry overarchingly. I'm a business development strategist. I have an MBA from Queens, which I happened to get the year that cannabis became legal in uh, Queens. But I grew up in Alberta, a hard place where... It's hard, but it's also very entrepreneurial and people are willing to bet their entire lives, farms and children's college funds on something new like drilling an oil well. And I happen to have built my career inside technology and companies that were doing that at the forefront. So my background, uh, other than having a Bachelor of Commerce from U of A, also from Green School, um, but I I learned from GE and from Dell and from Ackland's Granger and from Xerox. I have Xerox sales training and, you know, hit the ground running in 2008 when the world was coming around and crashing, I was doing sell, selling photocopiers on the streets of Calgary, uh, which was very successful for me because I, I had a knack for getting into people's offices when they were crying because they couldn't pay their mortgage or their rent in their you know, downtown Beltline office. But they had a photocopier, a wide format printer because they're an engineering company. I'm like, well, why don't you make this something that you can make money from? Like, why don't you sell services to other companies that also need this that can so that's what I did I'm an outside of the box thinker that has been very successful for me in my career Um, and then in 2018 after a year of incredible pain and illness that was very unknown uh, in the Alberta healthcare system again another crazy ass place um, in my writing I learned that cannabis was a way to get through some really hard shit and decided that that was going to be what I was going to plant my flag on for my career despite how incredibly hard that industry has been to get going. Uh, But essentially, that's it. My company is about being green. The Green Generation Company is about the next generation. I have a child. I am part of a very big group of Jewish people in this community that is only looking forward. And that is so entrenched in blue that I have my own campaign running flip blue to green. And every person that sees my name on the ballot and they didn't know I was running. I'm a paper candidate in some cases. I haven't reached everybody that I know. But they're writing me messages in the advanced polling saying, I saw your name on the ballot. I'm voting for you. And I'm like, awesome. And then I'm like, who did you vote for before? So I have an unofficial count already of 10 people in advanced polling that would have voted blue and are voting green because they saw my name on the ballot and they know me personally. And as a leader in this community, I've been on the boards of the schools. 
I literally sat on the board of the private school. I've been on the boards of all the synagogues. I'm a member of every single active Jewish as well as diverse community in the city. Um, in my work, I work a lot with natives on the um, in BC. So I've been spent the last six months learning about the crazy piece of we left out the native section of the cannabis act and they're trying to really bring plant life and plant medicine back to something that they can make their own living off of. And I'm very supportive of that writing business plans for the Malhat natives and the West Kelowna natives and every single group of native groups that just want to support themselves with their own abilities and not have to be the, you know, the being of the planet or being of the country. So I've seen that this plant particularly can help. And I'm like, why not join the party that, aligns with the part, the green part. And essentially, I, you know, a lot of people have a really negative perspective of what, of the green party, but I'm like, like, what did they do to you? Like, you know, what, what, how did the, the fact that they were green? So essentially my campaign has been, if you know me, you can call me. If I'm in office, you can still yeah. call me. You know, I have a Facebook following and a LinkedIn following and a cannabis following and tens of thousands of people that listen to me all the time. And I talk like this all the time. I'm very passionate. Sometimes I get kind of aggressive and angry. So Evelyn that's heard that from me. <laughs> Depends on how much uh, caffeine I've had that day. So essentially what I'm saying is I'm turning that passion into a much larger audience. And um, I've also been working, trying to work with Anna Mee for since she got uh, in office. So I was trying to write policy for, I have, I've written several policy pieces but recognizing there's no place for them. There's no place in the shadow cabinet. There's no there's no section around taking things that we've learned in the cannabis industry and applying them to the rest of the country. So being part of incredibly new, innovative, like everybody's in this all in and they're not making any money and it's under threat of being obliterated as an industry before it's even got started and Canada's sort of the leader for that and it doesn't look good on the world stage right now. I've gotten a chance to see some of the dark and sinister forces against this. And I'm really feeling that we have a, a duty as green leaders. Doesn't matter what party you're part of, just being a green leader, identifying that you're something of progressive. What it means to be green is you're new, you're, you know, you have a spring in your step, you have something that can relate to the color. Uh, that's what I, that's what I'm running on. And that's what I believe can be brought in. It doesn't matter what you came from. Like Elizabeth May is great, but not everyone agree with everything she did. And enemy's awesome. Like she's such a, I liked how she neutralized the debate. It's like, you know what? I'm using silence to get my point across. Like I, I noticed that more than once in her tactic. It's like, I got this guys, like stop talking, you know, like stop. So I resonated with her, her power in her stance as opposed to the words that she said. And that's kind of like how I lead is I'm like, I am a very in-person, passionate person. And it's more about what I don't say, but how people perceive that. And that's something that I think as a nation, we can do much better. And that's why I'm doing this is, I'm all in. Awesome. 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 So let's turn, let's turn to the 44th general election. We have three candidates from here in Calgary and one up in Fort McMurray, uh, Cold Lake. Uh, let's start with you, Brian, first. Uh, what are the top two issues that you're hearing at the doors when you're talking to people? What are the issues that people are telling you that needs to be addressed? Uh, well, I'll start with a confession. I have not been uh, doing very much door knocking. Uh, so what I'm hearing is uh, through conversations with people either online or uh, virtually or my, uh, my group of contacts. Uh, however, in this riding, I would characterize the, 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 the primary issues uh, in my view as having to do with the, the balance of environment and economy. Uh, the phrase that comes to my mind is quality of life. Uh, I think what we need is a safe and healthy planet 
Uh, of course, that means that uh, we need to be looking after people's jobs and employment. We need a healthy economy, but we can't have that also without having a, a healthy environment. Uh, there are major concerns about some of the uh, environmental impacts from industry in this riding. Uh, a lot of people are quite aware of them from, from oil sands and so on. Uh, on September 4th, we just passed a one-year anniversary of the factual record from the CEC, the Commission for Environmental Development, which is related to our free trade agreement with Canada and with the United States and Mexico. That report confirmed that the tailings ponds are in fact leaking into the groundwater. And it also confirmed that Canada under its uh, legislative authorities has an obligation to respond to that under the Fisheries Act. That was one year ago on September 4th. And in that year, we have seen no action on that from the federal government. There's a huge disconnect there. That's one example of where, yes, the industry provides a lot of jobs, provides a lot of benefits, but it's not living up to what that claim that I so often hear, Alberta has the best environmental leg legislation in the, in the world. Well, we're not living up to that. Uh, can I so, actually, Brian, I want to I want to touch base on this for a second, because this is actually something I spent the my world of the oil and gas world on. And we actually have the solution and the regulations are correct. So I, I want to give you a little bit of peace of mind, because what you're saying is true and the people in the companies know it. But the solution to them is is opaque. And the solution is so simple. It's actually in hemp. So a lot of the people that I'm working with are hemp agronomists that are working in reclamation in the oil and gas sector with Imperial Oil, with BP, with Shell, with all of the Canadian companies that are doing this. They found out that actually by using hemp just as a ground up biomass and sprinkling it on the ground, it literally absorbs. It leaches everything out of the soil that's bad and allows the plants to regrow in that space at the same time. And there, so this is something that is being done right now with my clients and hasn't reached the masses from the population's perspective, it's kind of like this, this lesser known secret that I'm very excited about. We have the answer in hemp to clean up the planet as well as turn the green, as well as take the carbon out of the air at the same time, but it's not techy enough. And there isn't enough IP around it for people to get excited from an investing perspective. And that's essentially why I'm here is because that's a conversation that needs to be had at an international and national level, but it doesn't have enough money needed to be people get excited about in the oil and gas sector. It's not clean tech, it doesn't involve a big building a big thing. It's like, here's a bunch of hemp, we're growing it, we're cutting it down, and then we're using it for a thousand things. And it doesn't cost very much, it didn't take very long. It was so easy, it's stupid. And that's the problem is it's right in front of our eyes. And now that it's legal, we can do all this research on it. So yeah. I, I apologize for, for cutting you off, but this yeah, has been no, something right. I've been trying to communicate in, within the industry itself, like people get cannabis, but hemp, is actually the answer. And I have a couple of companies that are yeah. going to the world. So we'll jump back to Brian here to can let yeah, him sorry. continue on here for his second sure, yeah. topic, because we want to make sure everyone gets a chance here because we only have an hour. So Brian, what what is the other, besides quality of life, what is the second thing that you're hearing? Yeah, well, I appreciate that Malka contributed that. I'm so impressed with hemp and the many, many things that it can be used for. So thanks for adding that. Um, the other thing, Chris, that I want to mention uh, is I, I've, uh, I've worked over the years with a lot of Indigenous people. I work with uh, in, in groups uh, along with Indigenous people and I've over the years have been following uh, the concerns of Indigenous people. I remember learning years ago about the United Nations Declaration. Uh, I'm glad that uh, this year before uh, the uh, 
the election was called before Parliament was dissolved. I'm glad that Bill C-15 was passed. Uh, I've been aware of the, the TRC's 94 calls to action for a number of years, uh, the report on the missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, but there is still so much to do. Uh, the, of course, the, the tragic um, discovery of unmarked graves this summer in, in numerous locations, of course, Kamloops, um, Kawesis, I think, is the one in southeastern Saskatchewan. There's, there, I'm, I'm learning now. I was just looking into it. Uh, others in Brandon and in Kootenay, uh, and there's a former residential school only 12 kilometers away from where I live, here close to Lac Lobiche. So, it is so disturbing. Uh, but we we knew to expect these kinds of things. We, I have over my time of living here I've learned that about our Canadian history about our our treatment of indigenous peoples we must do better we have to do things to address that of course that fits exactly under one of the green uh, principles of social justice and that's uh, uh, an extremely important uh, aspect for me here as I said we have uh, numerous First Nations and Métis settlements uh, and Métis populations here in in Fort McMurray Cold Lake uh, and they also have many concerns about the impacts of industry on their communities, on the water, on the air, on the lands, uh, on, on you know, being able to use the lands in traditional ways for hunting, fishing, uh, gathering uh, medicines and, and so on. So uh, I'll borrow that phrase from Evelyn again. It's all tied together. Uh, so it's hard for me to just pick out two most important ones, but that's my best. No. But thank you for thank you for that contribution. Uh, we'll head over to Carrie now. Uh, when you're talking to the people in Calgary Forest Lawn, what are the two major issues that they're bringing to your attention? Uh, well, uh, like Brian, um, like I was talking about people at doors, um, it was it was not a lot of doors because then, of course, the pandemic shut down again. So most of my conversations since then have also been on the phone. Um, and and but and the people I meet on the street, but um, uh, as I said, there's there's a general concern about a need to change how we're approaching what we're doing, because um, uh, and frankly, uh, not surprisingly, perhaps to to many of us, you know, many of the many of the voters don't really have a clear view of what's happening with either you know we talk about a just transition. Well, what does a just transition actually mean? And you know, we talk about guaranteed livable income and well, what does that exactly mean? Are we just giving people money to stay at home? And um, it's not like these conversations have been that specific, but in general, um, so the riding, this riding um, is uh, apparently had the lowest voter turnout in 2019. And it also has, um, I just saw the stat, uh, I think the, the lowest uh, general income, like Calgary Forest Lawn, has the lowest general income in in Calgary, and so consequently, the needs here are are tend to be much more um, social and economic. Um, uh, I was recently asked by a local food uh, center, uh, a community food center, um, about food issues and and housing issues because the housing costs in Calgary, like everywhere I guess in the world, are extraordinarily high, and it it hits you harder in a place, of course, with a lower income. And uh, I know that the city is addressing improving low-cost housing issues, but uh, I'm not a municipal candidate. I'm a federal candidate. And so I tend to focus on uh, 
providing information because uh, because people have you know um, one or two words or a phrase or two and they're not really sure what it means i i i've done a lot of uh, videos on the ipcc and what their science means to a to a layman and so having those conversations uh to me is more about sharing information because there, there's a lot of misinformation and and more importantly a lack of information about many of these things whether it's the guaranteed length of income or the uh, the housing issue or, or uh, improving food access or social programs in this riding, um, which gives people a way to get into those different things. There needs to be, it's that it comes down to this thing, the social safety net, which has been talked about for a while and how it's been so crushed in the last few decades. And it's really being rebuilt here. And that's something that I really want to focus on because um, uh, uh, there's things available for people and they don't even know it's available. And so they're suffering because of it. I don't know if that is good enough. No, it was, it was excellent. Thank you. Evelyn, what about yourself and Calgary Shepherd? What are you hearing at the doorsteps? Yeah. Similar to Brian and Carrie, I haven't done a ton of door knocking due to COVID and other capacity reasons. For my volunteers, it's a, it's a little bit um, less safe. Um, I don't know if you heard that one of our candidates in um, the riding next to me in, in Chaparral got spat on and called a fag and had the door slammed in his face. And so, you know, there's a little bit of hostility. There's more hostility even compared to 2019. And so for reasons, I want to keep my volunteers safe. We did a lit drop. We didn't do a ton of, um, of door knocking. However, from talking to people in the riding on the, the trips I have made out, um, I'm hearing a lot of it's almost like despair about a lack of representation. And I'm hearing this from across the political spectrum, including from conservatives, which is really interesting. Um, so I would call them red Tories, I guess. Um, they would have supported the MP Tom Kimmick in the last election. Um, but Tom's record over the last two years has been quite dismal for a number of reasons. And even for conservatives who are like, can we move on to other issues and talk about you know, real important things that matter, like housing crisis, climate crisis, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, our MP has has voted, for example, um, against the conversion therapy ban. He was one of the fifty-something um, conservatives that voted against the ban, and that was very upsetting for a lot of people in the riding. For progressives, obviously, who have never been represented um, for many many years but also for conservatives who are like, you know, the human rights are human rights. Like we, we have, you know, um, if you look at the demographics of Calgary Shepherd, we have um, probably about 8,000 um, young people, Gen, Gen Z people that would be in the LGBTQ community. And so this directly affects them. Um, and so for those 16,000 parents of those 8,000 children, um, you know, they, they cannot stand by this anymore. So this is some, you know, topic that we have to be strong on and say, we support the ban, we need to move on and we need to protect the rights of these children. So I've been hearing from conservatives that they're really, really upset with this kind of regressive social policy and that we're going back to talk talking about things like, you know, women's rights for abortion, stuff like that. So that is definitely um, a concern that's coming up at the door. And I think there's like this overall despair of like, well, what are my other choices? And, you know, 
the other political parties have kind of abandoned Calgary Shepherd. Um, the Liberals and the NDP continually run paper candidates. Um, we have a PPC candidate, I guess, from Macomb. So again, a paper candidate. We've got a Maverick candidate um, who's put out about a million signs. But other than that, I don't know if there's been much engagement. Um, so there isn't that sense of like anyone else really trying to hold the space for progressive people, progressive voters, people that are like, can we just please move on to like, you know, stop the polarizing discussion. Let's talk about issues that um, matter to all of us. Let's find the common ground. Let's work together. Um, so that I think is the, is the next kind of development for Calgary Shepherd is who is going to be that voice that's going to stand up and say, like, we cannot do this anymore. I mean, Tom sent out, Tom Kimiak, the MP, had sent out just before RIT drop um, a flyer to the entire riding that was about defund the CBC. And, and people got these, even conservatives got these, and were like, what the heck? Like, how much did this mail-out cost? These mail-outs aren't cheap if you start to look into the numbers. And, you know, like, could we just have fun? did the CBC without, <laughs> with, with, if we just didn't send out the flyer, can we make reasonable decisions and can we do things in a better way that really like start to look at what do people want? What's important? Can we just do the important things? Um, so that's hopefully what's going to come out of this uh, election. I think Tom is, is not touchable in the polls. He's still, you know, at 50%, even with um, the drop in, in his uh, popularity, but you know, I think we just need to keep putting pressure and and letting people know that they need to get out to the ballot box. They have to stand up for their right to have a say. And that if they do tr truly believe in human rights and protecting um, minority groups and um, marginalized people, then they have to start voting that way. Um, so hopefully that happens and we'll just continue holding that space and continue developing and building. And I think when we show courage and we stand up, for marginalized voices, um, it's the right thing to do, and we give them a safe place, safe place to to be. So that's why I'm here. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I see that she just turned off her video here, but Malka, if you are there, uh, there she is. What are you hearing from the people of Calgary Heritage? Are you? I, I like your fellow candidates. I'm assuming you're probably not uh, canvassing as well due to COVID nineteen. Or if you are, what are you hearing? I think you're muted. Um, I chose a very strategic way of, of canvassing because I have a strategy background. So I, I tried to show the party, but it didn't make a lot of sense that you've never done it before. Essentially, it's like if you spend an hour each day, what's the most impactful thing you can do to reach a larger audience as an amplification? So I highlighted 20 people that had a very large personal network. And if I told them I was running and they could call me directly, here's who I would think would have the most impact to get more Votes. So essentially I did that. So I reached my 20 people in the first three days. And those are people that I know personally that have problems like my kids going to university, but they don't know what they're going to take because they don't know if there's going to be a job for them when they graduate. Or I've invested a ton of money into a bunch of things. And I'm not sure there's, if there's any certainty in those investments. The entire concept of investing is like, you know, we're wealthy, we have lots of money, but our facts are not facts anymore and the things that are certain are not certain anymore and we're not sure what our what our amassed amount of money and wealth is going to do we need to have direction so 
they are seeing that there's a future in green things in general, renewable energy, renewable projects. And this province is really good for that. We have a very open system for that we've created for our NDP government, et cetera. So essentially I'm part of those movements from a business perspective and I can see a path forward with helping them at a federal level. And that's essentially uh, what I'm hearing is they're excited to have fresh eyes, fresh blood, and support our local community at an inter, at, the, at the national level, and that's what they're they're excited with the hope. They're excited because the hope is that they weren't sure who do I vote for. Blue's kind of the guy doesn't even show up. He's been on committees, whatever. So essentially, it's been like um, really about we need something new. And Malka, we know you're a leader already, and that in this community and very vocal nationally on, on the things that are important are important to you. And they're just excited to have something that, that they can hope for. That's like oh, this is something we can actually you know, affect change globally or nationally. And that's the thing is that, that loss of hope has been the biggest problem and not knowing what to plant their flag into with a political perspective. And so I think that's that's really what I've been hearing a lot of. And 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 I think there's a lot of hope now that this, this is my writing with that. I have to say now, goodbye. I have I have uh, I have some people coming over here for our our, our, our call this weekend. We're going to Hempfest this afternoon, hopefully if it doesn't continue to rain, to campaign for the entire green uh, perspective. So I'm a vote green across the board. So I'm sharing that message with all the people in the cannabis industry that show it up for this weekend's event. So I'm going to say bye, but no thank problem. you guys so much. And I look forward to seeing you all later. Take care, Malaka. Okay, so uh, I'm just looking at the time here and I told Brian that we'd be about an hour and we're about at the 45 minute mark. So I wanna get this last question out of the way before we do our wrap up here. Brian, we'll start with you. Why should you be the next MP for Fort McMurray Cold Lake? Uh, well, that's a, a challenging question. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best to answer it. Uh, I feel that the, the Green Party does have a lot to offer. Uh, and I think people in the riding, if they're looking at, you know, the, the parties that, that we represent, if they're giving some consideration to their choices, uh, I think it's important that they look at, you know, if they're wanting to vote Conservative, what is the Conservative Party of Canada offering uh, to help on climate change? How is it going to help with uh, making that connection about uh, uh, indigenous peoples and, and concerns about environmental impacts of industry. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in that party. Uh, if they were to look at other parties, uh, they might look at Liberal or NDP. Uh, in my view, I think the, the Green Party offers the best uh, uh, ideas and policies on those kinds of topics. And to me, those are, are extremely important topics. So um, I know that the uh, uh, the conservative candidate, as I mentioned, was not at the debates. Um, I, I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure how rigorous the process was uh, that led to uh, Ms. Goodridge being selected as the uh, uh, the candidate. So uh, I think people who live in the riding uh, may be motivated to give some serious consideration to uh, you know voting for an alternative. And if they do, I, I simply would present myself. I hope that people will consider me, uh, consider what the Green Party has to offer. Uh, ultimately, it's everyone's individual choice. That's that's democracy. Um, before I do uh, go to the next candidate here, I want to ask you, Brian, um, while we have spent the last hour talking about policies, talking about what people are hearing, 
But there are probably people in your writing who are thinking, hey, I need an answer on this question. I need to know a little bit more about Brian himself. How can people reach out to you? What are the avenues that you are on social media, website? Uh, how can people get in touch? Sure. The best way is my Facebook page, and it's called Brian DeHere for Fort McMurray Cold Lake. Uh, my my phone number, I believe, is on my uh, uh, campaign contact information on the Green Party of Canada website. Uh, and I have had various uh, calls from, from media uh, and some people reaching out as well. Um, Actually, if I could, just for another moment, I have an interesting anecdote. Uh, when I was out collecting my signatures, uh, a lot of people here in Lacklebish who know me said, yeah, I'm happy to sign. I probably won't vote for you, they said. And I, I, were, I was guessing all that maybe they're conservative voters and, and that's fine. Uh, they're willing to help sponsor me to be a candidate. Uh, one of them invited me in and said, uh, we got a bone to pick with you. We'll sign to help you get registered. But uh, how come your party is not taking a harder stance against the Conservatives on the topics of carbon capture and on, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, the carbon tax? Because they said uh, carbon capture and storage is just a scam, and the carbon tax, well, industry wants to have that removed, and they want to put cap and trade in place, and well, that's that's a system that is really for the profit of industry. So they said, how come you're not really you know uh, going at that at those points and i said i will certainly take those forward <laughs> uh thank you so much for that brian uh evelyn how about yourself why should you be the next mp for the people of calgary shepherd um well i think that i can do the job really well um i think i would be a great mp for this riding um i would do more than just answer emails. I would definitely listen to people, talk to people, find the common ground. And my whole platform was about the intersection in the six Green Party values and what that means for us as Greens. But I'm really interested in finding out what that means to other people. Because I think using these words like respect, resilience, regeneration, and figuring out what that means to other people is where we can start to um, you know, figure out what do people really care about? What are their values? What are they um, really concerned about? And then find the common way forward as a society. Um, so I've been asking, you know, conservatives, what do you think of my platform and, and what does it mean to you? And how do we find this common ground and move forward as a society? Because if there is like, for example, no respect between different you know, opinions, different um, groups of people, then we don't move forward as a society. So how do we have respect and social justice and figure out, um, you know, how we move forward as, as a group. So I think I would be able to do that as an MP. I would be able to find the common ground. I'd be able to work with a diversity of people. I'd be able to let other people have a voice and talk about their concerns. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much. No, and thank you. But, I will, but uh, as to the last question I asked Brian as well, how can people get involved in your campaign? How can people reach out, ask you questions, potentially follow up on some of the statements that were made here today? How can people do that? Yeah, my website has all my contact information. So it's evelyntanaka.ca. Um, and I've got like a postcard going around the community. We made sunflower seeds again. So these sunflower seed packages are being dropped off. So we're going to go out after this and do the last you know, a couple thousand. 
But yeah, people are more than welcome to go on my website. There's a form to fill out about having contact me. It also has all my socials. I'm doing Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'm more active on Facebook, but I've actually started to really enjoy Twitter. I hated Twitter so much in the 2019 campaign because I really didn't know enough about it, but um, I leaned in. I was uncomfortable with it. I leaned in. I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this Twitter thing. <laughs> I'm actually really enjoying it because I'm having these like hilarious conversations with people like across the country. And hopefully before the campaign, I will do a mean tweets um, video because there's some hilarious stuff on there. I have very thick skin, so I don't mind people saying all sorts of things. And I'm just going to do a video about it because it's hilarious. <laughs> so, oh, and that's the other reason that I think I'd be a good MP. I have a good sense of humor. And I think I can <laughs> always see the optimistic side of things. And if like I get, you know, a lot of hate mail, I will write a song or a poem or something to like, cope with that kind of stuff or make like memes. That's what I do with all my arch enemies as well. I make memes about them and I don't post them publicly. Um, <laughs> but I do that for my own like coping and healing and, and dealing with all the hatred that you do get as a political candidate and especially as a green in Alberta. So it's um yeah, it's a good like coping mechanism. And I'm hoping to like, just look at the light side of things. Cause I think sometimes we take ourselves a bit too seriously. Awesome. Um, and Carrie, what about yourself? Why should you be the next MP for Calgary Forest Lawn? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, first of all, Brian should be the MP in, in Fort McMurray because he's a green MP and in Fort McMurray, he's got the courage of 10 men. So I just, you know, and, and then, and Evelyn has, does, has the work ethic of four men or people or anything. So she should be definitely like uh, she, she exhausts me just talking to her on a regular basis. So, um, so, and, and these kind of people inspire me, uh, as I said, I'm new to this, um, but I'm new to it because, um, uh, well, here's, 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 since we're doing anecdotes, my anecdote is, so right after I moved to this neighborhood, which, which you probably don't know, Chris is it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it was known as a ghetto to a certain degree. So I moved here. It was a bit uncomfortable and uh, I, I was tutoring a student at the time. And so I said, well, you got to come out here. And I met him at the train. We got on the bus and someone was getting harassed on the bus. Um, I don't I won't go into the details, but so, you know, I'm legally blind. I'm sitting on the bus with my student and I can hear this person at the back saying, look, stop it, leave me alone. And so, no one else was doing anything. The bus driver was driving the bus. He couldn't stop. And the other people were probably concerned. And I was like, well, no one else is doing anything. So I got up, you know, I can't see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm carrying, you know, a white cane, but I got it beside me. I'm go down and say, is something wrong back here? And they got up and they left. And, and the point being is that uh, somebody has to do these things. And if no one's doing it, then we're all in trouble, right? And and that's part of the issue. A lot of the issues we're dealing with is because uh, uh, a lot of us are going along and being reasonable, and not wanting to rock the boat or change things because things work. Except things that work have got us into a mess that you know science and social systems and you know and our attempts to survive as people has proven to not work very well. And so something has to change, and someone has to do it. And apparently, I'm willing willing to do it right because i i care a great deal uh the people that we're talking about and the people i've met around here and, and gosh chris even you i even care about you 
Oh, it's the so. first time a guest of the show has ever sucked up to me like that. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. There you go. Um, so but I, I, someone has to do it. And, and I'm the person apparently to do it. And uh, um, I've got ridiculous amounts of education and incredible stubbornness and, and uh, strong, strong feelings about making this stuff work in a way that will, cause I have a daughter as well. I mean, she may be taller than me, but she's still my daughter and, and I'm not happy with what we've done to what's going to be her world. And I know there's a couple of parents, or at least one parent in this crowd at the moment. And, and as Evelyn, I believe said, right, we have, we have to leave this place to our children and we're doing a terrible job. And I can't rely upon all the systems I was hoping to rely upon to do it. Our government and our, medical system and whatever else our political will has not done it. So someone has to do it. And apparently I'm stepping up. Um, for those who want to reach out to you and ask you questions, uh, Carrie, how can people do that? All right. So I'm assuming my name is somewhere on this, on this podcast page when it's, when it's published, right? It's, it shows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my website like Evelyn's is just my name.ca no capitals or anything. Um, and if you just want to email me directly, hello at kerryrutherford.ca will work, comes directly to me. Um, and on the website, there's a phone number with an answering machine if I'm not around and uh, lots of uh, links to the things that I have said previously about this stuff and how to get a hold of me also in other ways. So kerryrutherford.ca, triple W, that kind of thing. Um, I want to take a moment and thank uh, yourself, uh, Carrie, yourself, Evelyn, and yourself, Brian. Being a candidate is not easy. It is a daunting task, especially here in Alberta, no matter what party you run for. Um, I want to thank the three of you for putting your name forward, stepping up, and doing this because democracy only happens when we have people who do things and get involved like you are. Um, I, I want to commend every single one of the candidates who are running in this election. And I want to take this moment and sort of address what Evelyn had said. If someone comes to your door and you disagree with them politically, do not call them names. Do not spit on them. Be kind. Kindness needs to start at the doorstep because that's how we're going to change this world. And we have to stop being rude to each other. Um, I, I also want to take this moment and say, like I said at the beginning of this interview, get out, get educated, learn about the candidates who are in your riding and vote. Do not go onto Twitter do not go on to Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever the thing, new thing is, is going to be in the next week and complain if you do not vote. If you do not vote. I do not want to see you bitching on Facebook or anything like that for the next six months or next till the next election. So get out and vote. Make your voices heard. Thank you, Carrie, Brian, Evelyn, for doing this. This has been an honor and it's a pleasure. And remember, everyone, advanced voting is currently underway. Election day is September 20th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so With much, Chris. The Ballot Box was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Yeah.